Thank you so much, Dale, for preparing our heart with that song. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word. We thank you, Lord, that our ransom was paid for by the precious blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And fathers, we come to your word. Father, may that permeate our minds and hearts, Lord, as we realize how you have taken us as your children, forgiven us, cleansed us from our sin, washed us in the blood, and set us apart as your very own. And Father, we can trust you through any burden, any trial, any circumstance, and we know that you will help us. Father, encourage hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalm 46 this morning? Psalm 46, we continue our series, A Study in the Psalms. Study in the Psalms. But Psalm 46, as you're turning there, uh, let me see, is Reese still here? No. Oh, he went with the kids. Okay. I need some help back there. Who do we got back there? Ah, who's the smallest kid still here? Uh, no, Todd, not you. Um, but is it, oh, oh, yeah. Who is that? Caden, oh, Caden come on up. Would you come up? Got a boy, Caden. Thank you so much, buddy. It's good to see you. You don't mind helping me, do you? You going to help me? You don't mind helping me? Caden, this is great. Uh, here, Caden, you stand right here, okay, buddy? Is that good? All right. a boy. Now, uh, I'm going to get this out so that we, you can talk. So, Caden, I'm going to bring something out. Do you, do you like surprises? You like, what's, what's when, 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 when was the last surprise you got? I forget. You forget. Yeah, yeah. I know we, some surprises we don't like, right? We tend to forget. I brought something with me, Caden, and I wonder if you know what this is. Okay. Have you ever seen one of these before? Yes. You have. Do you, what is it? What do you call it? I forget what I call it. Okay. I called it something different. Yeah. Well, there's another word for it. It's called a jack-in-the-box. I don't know if you ever heard that word for it, jack-in-the-box. So, do you know what to do with a jack-in-the-box? Spin that. You spin this, and when you spin it, what happens? Something pops out. Yeah. Do you know that there are a lot of kids that are afraid of this? That they're actually scared of jack-in-the-box? How many of you... Whoa. I'm scared. Uh, how, many, how many of you grew up being scared of a jack-in-the-box? Anybody raise your hand? They're, they're, good. Thank you for putting your hands up, being honest about it. Yeah. So, so it's a fact. And uh, because it's the surprise effect. The unexpected, okay? So, Caden, what I want you to do is you are going to spin this real slow, 
and see what happens. Are you ready for this? You okay? What if it explodes in there when I open it? They won't do that, will it? Okay, are you ready? And show everybody what happens. Oh! Pop goes the weasel. There it is. Give him a hand. Didn't you do a great job? You did great. Thank you so much. You may be seated, okay? And, hey, Caden. Here. Oh, oh by the way, buddy. Caden. This is yours. For helping me, okay? You can have that. As a remember. Okay, buddy? You're great. He's awesome. I'll tell you. You know, eh, you don't know what tomorrow's going to spring on you. You don't know what in your life, what surprises are coming. And they come at the most unexpected moments. Some deep heartache, loss, um, uh, a, a burden, a relationship, falling apart, whatever it is. There, there, is, there is every day that so-called jack-in-the-box in our lives that we have to deal with and have to face. And the psalmist here has a solution for us for when those jack-in-the-box pop up in our life. So look with me at Psalm 46, verse 1. This is a psalm written by the sons of Korah, one of the sons of Korah. And we had seen other psalms written by the sons of Korah. But again, this was a time when Israel was in distress. There were nations coming in and surrounding Israel, and there were threats from all sides. And they were feeling it as a nation. And so... The writer of this psalm is writing a song to encourage the Jew, encourage the nation as they are about to, uh, to face the unexpected, to face that, quote, Jack in the box. And he starts out with, by saying this, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. The Hebrew word for that word trouble has the idea of being pressed in or confined to a tight space. And maybe that's where you feel today or have felt that you felt like life has just squeezed you and you feel pressures from all sides and you almost feel like you're in a prison. That's what this word troubled means, trouble means in, in the Hebrew here, when life presses in. And when that happens, we desperately want to run. We, we want to run from our problems, don't we? Oh, how many times have we faced something and we were surprised by something and we just want to get away? How can I escape this? We're looking for, for, for the, you know, the fire escape to get away from our trouble, our trial. 
But you know, God is, is a God that wants you and I to not run away and try and find refuge and strength in th- the things of this world. Because sometimes I can put my strength in maybe my finances, my job, my family, or my, I have good health. And I can put my confidence in, them, in that. And sometimes we, we try and run for refuge in the things of this world. But God is saying that's not where true refuge is for the believer. And the psalmist says here, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Deuteronomy 33, 27, we read, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the what? Everlasting arms. God is holding you, dear Christian, this morning, and whatever comes to assail you, he is waiting for you to run to him for refuge. He wants us to run to him. But you see, for God to, I can know my God is a refuge, but it's another thing to act upon it. It's another thing to run to him and say, Lord, you, you cover me, you protect me, you help me, Lord. And we humble ourselves and come running to him. See, that's a choice. I can choose to stay out of the refuge that God has for me, to, to take care of me and give me that strength. And look what the psalmist then says as we go on here. Uh, verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Notice verse 2, he said, therefore, or another word for that is because of. Because of what? Because God is our refuge and our strength, and he will help us right now in, in our present trouble. Therefore, because of that, we don't need to be afraid. I don't need to fear what has just come upon me. I don't need to live in total fear and anxiety. But I can, because I get a vision of who God is and realize that he is my refuge, my protector, my strength, I don't have to Take the next step in fear. I don't have to have a heart filled with fear. Turn with me to Psalm 57. Just slide over to Psalm 57 with me. And here is David writing this psalm as he's running from Saul. King Saul wants to take his life and he's running and trying to hide. And he, he, this psalm is a prayer. Look at verse 1. David says, 
Be gracious to me, or merciful, O God. Be gracious to me. King James Version has mercy, merciful to me. For my soul, what? Takes refuge in thee. And in the shadow of thy wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God most high. To God who, I love this, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me, Selah. Here David is asking the Lord to be gracious unto him as he chooses to allow his soul to take refuge in the Lord spiritually until the storm passes. He will cry unto the God, his God most high, and believing that he will accomplish all things. Whatever concerns me, God's going to take care of. It can be the worst, most painful, most heartbreaking thing that I could ever imagine and the Lord is going to be there. If I'm willing to take refuge in him, I will find strength that beyond my own strength. I will find peace in my heart beyond what I can manufacture. He will give me a peace. Here we see that, that he has uh, taken, uh, he taken refuge in the Lord. And now turn to Psalm 94. Just flip over to Psalm 94 with me. I'm sorry, it's uh, Psalm 91. Forgive me. Psalm 91. Just flip back just a few chapters. Psalm 91. This most incredible psalm, um, this is, uh, I know that this psalm is used in the military by Christian soldiers who are believers. Um, Brother May, what do they call, call this psalm? Do you remember? There's a name, they, the, the, I don't know if it's just the soldier's song, psalm, or, but I know that they, they do, um, this psalm is, is read often or or taken into the uh, battlefield by many soldiers and psalm 91 as it is uh, talks about the lord taking care of his own but look at verse one with me start there he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty there's god our refuge i will say to the lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions. What does pinions mean? That means feathers. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. 
David here uses the metaphor of wings concerning God's protection. Now, when he talks about he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you'll seek refuge. How do feathers protect a bird? You know, we, we think, well, under his wings, you know, metaphorically, uh, and then we think of, a, of nature and we think of a bird um, protecting its young, but how do wings, how do feathers protect? I read this, that uh, bird feathers, of course, seem flimsy to us. How can they protect the baby bird? Feathers are smooth and fluffy. The smooth part, though, has stiff barbs with tiny hooks that lock together like the prongs of a zipper. The fluffy part keeps a bird warm. So the bird is protected from wind and rain. Baby birds are covered in a fluffy down and their stiff their stiff feathers haven't developed yet. So the mother bird has to cover them in the nest with her own feathers to protect them from the wind and the rain. This is how, so the feather, though we think feathers are flimsy, the wings, the way God made wings are actually strong. And so strong they can protect beyond what we could really imagine. And this, of course, has a picture, picture, uh, gives us a picture of what God is like. His arms are over us and protecting us and will keep us through. It doesn't mean that, that I'm, I'm not going to suffer. It, means, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to hurt. I, I, I may go through the worst kind of pain, but he is with me in it. And he will only allow it to go so far and cover me with his so-called wings. You've probably seen a mother hen wanting to protect her chicks. Those of you who have, have a farm and you've raised chickens, um, you know this. She, here's something interesting, though, when you think of a mother hen. She does not run to those little chicks and jump on top of them to protect them. Have you ever thought of that? You don't see the mother hen running around looking for the little chicks to jump on top to protect them. No, she squats down, spreads her wings and clucks. And then the baby chicks come running from all directions. And then they run under her outstretched wings. Then the mother pulls her wings down tightly over her babies and pulls them close. She tucks each chick in tight under her. And anything that tries to get to those chicks will have to go through mother hen first. There was an article in National Geographic several years ago that provided a penetrating picture of God's wings. After a forest fire in Yellowstone National Park here in the U.S., forest rangers began their trek up a mountain to assess the inferno's damage. One ranger found a bird literally petrified in ashes, perched uh, like a statue on the ground at the base of a tree. 
Somewhat sickened by the eerie sight, he knocked over the bird with a stick, the dead bird. When he struck it, three tiny chicks scurried out from under their dead mother's wings. The loving mother, keenly aware of the impending disaster, had carried her offspring to the base of that tree, gathered them under her wings, instinctively knowing that the toxic smoke would rise. She could have flown to safety, left them on their own and abandoned them. But when the blaze arrived, that is when the heat singed her body. But the mother remained steadfast in protecting the young. And whatever fire is coming into your life, my friends, picture God as a, a, a great eagle who is over you and is ready to put his wings over you and pull you close. But you and I, in order for me to really experience that protection and that, that strength and comfort, is I have to run under his wings. I have to choose. And that's what the psalmist had continued to, uh, to try and, and talk about here. David had talked about it. We see that, that all the, the trouble comes, yet it is possible to go through it without fear. Or if you'll turn back to Psalm 46 with me, Again, look with me there at verse 2 and 3. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters foam, roar, roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Here is a picture of, mother, uh, of, of nature, the way God created it. An earthquake. Or you've seen the sea and the waves crash against the, the, the rocks and, and the shore and, and, and the continual battering of, a, of the waves in a storm will bring destruction. The word roar here literally means tumultuous, like unending, turning upside down. The word foam here in the Hebrew means to boil. So it's almost like the, the sea is so violent that it looks like it's boiling. And maybe your sea is boiling all around you and over you right now. But he says, therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear no matter how bad it gets. Turn to Numbers chapter 13 with me. I just wanted to go here quickly to Numbers 13. And the account of the Israelites and the 12 spies that went into the land to scout it out, is it good enough to go in and take? God had brought them here to the promised land. Numbers 13, and look at verse 25. Numbers 13, verse 25. Then they returned from spying out the land, and at the end of 40 days they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. 
And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So amazing food. Amazing. It has everything they could ever imagine to provide for them. But here's suddenly here's a nevertheless verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the Jordan. What did they see? They saw all those giants. And the spies came back and go, yeah, it's beautiful in there, but do you know what we had to face? What kind of giants we had to face in there? There's no way. And they were scared. They were frightened. They, their hearts were full of fear. But then Caleb speaks up. Remember, Caleb and Joshua led the spies in. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. We shall surely overcome it. Am I able to say that today about my circumstances? Whatever they are, can I stand here and say, I will surely overcome this. Why? Because God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, because of that, I don't need to be afraid of what comes. No matter how big those giants look, I can believe that because God said it, he would bring a victory and bring me through it. We shall surely overcome it. But look at the response of the people. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Do you feel your situation is too strong for you? So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who, whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were in their sight. Do you see what fear does? When fear, we allow fear to grip us in our life. Suddenly we're paralyzed to move forward. We, we feel we, there's no way we are going to be able to fight the battle that is before us. But God and the psalmist says, no, not if God is your refuge and strength. You can face anything that's coming into your life. And then look at chapter 14 quickly. Because then Joshua and Caleb together speak up. Verse 6, Numbers 14. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
of those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel saying this, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. But here's the warning. Verse 9, they said, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. My friend, do not fear what is before you. Say, Lord, take away my fear. My confidence and trust is going to be in you and you alone. He is the one. And we must understand that he is the one who fights the battle, not us. And if you'll turn back now with me to 46, I want to conclude here with the last number of verses. But there are two verses in particular. But let's just read, uh, picking up at verse 4 through the end, verse 11. The psalmist continues. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when dawn, morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. There it is again, our, our, our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. And here's a, a famous verse that many of you know very well. And sure, I'm sure I have claimed and, and used in your devotionals. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. New American Standard Version has the... Uh, uh, translates it this way instead of be still it says cease striving cease striving which means trying to fight and work so hard on your own and trying to solve all your problems and do it all yourself he's, he's saying here be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Notice back in verse 4. The psalmist says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. See, back in ancient times, uh, uh, basically a, a city would try and build, their, build around some kind of river or water supply. 
And uh, that's what Babylon did. That's why it made Babylon great, because it built around the Euphrates. But Jerusalem, the water, there was a, a, a spring called the Gihon Springs, which was outside the Jer Jerusalem. So the, the inhabitants of Jerusalem would go out and get the water from the spring and bring it into the city. Well, King Hezekiah, if you remember him, good godly king for the most part of his life. He came up with this idea because, you see, your city is going down if an army circles around it and besieges it. So what do they do? When an army circles a city enemy, they cut off all the water supplies and any food going in, and they cut off the water supply so that the people inside basically starve to death and die of thirst. So Hezekiah got this idea. He, he decided to get the water into the city. So he masterminded a brilliant project which would provide endless supply of water to a sit, the city during a siege through this small spring of Gihon. Hezekiah had that spring stopped, he dammed it up, and then he built a tunnel through 1,749 feet of solid rock, through which the waters of the spring of Gihon could flow. And it would flow, he cut through so that it came right up into the city, so that the city would, would ha always have water if they were attacked. And what he did is he covered it up, the spring, so that the enemies wouldn't know that there was a spring there. So it was all underground. I had the, the privilege of walking through that tunnel on uh, different occasions when I was uh, on tour in Israel and walking through this very tunnel. It's still there, this spring of Gihon, is still there. It's a river. And I'm sure the psalmist had this in mind when he's talking about there is a river, but he's talking about a spiritual river. See, he, here he is talking about the city of God, which is Jerusalem, and the river that flowed through now. But he is more concerned about the spiritual river that the Lord himself, God, brings and makes glad. The river of God, which comes through his Holy Spirit in, through my mind and heart. When the whole, I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me and control me and I keep my eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit is like a river that flows inside of me. Jesus said this, as you recall, in John 4, 4 verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered the woman at the well, said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him and be a well of water springing up into eternal life. There's the spiritual river that's in you and in me. And I've got to understand that that, that river 
is always ready to supply my heart and strengthen me through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've got to choose to drink of it. I have to choose to run for refuge. And so what is really the answer? The answer is there down in verse 10. Look at verse 10. That's when he said, Be still and know that I am God. There is the difference. I am not going to know the, the, God, the refuge of God, his strength, the power. I'm not going to experience the river of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in me unless I come to the place where I remain still and know that he is God. This, this word still here uh, comes from the uh, form of the Hebrew word rafa. And it means drop, relax, let go, be quiet, be still. And God wants us, you and I, in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our of our frantic trying to fix things and figure it all out, he wants us just to be still and know that he is God. And when I am still before him, that is when the peace of God, I, I bring my petitions to him with thanksgiving. And that is that point when I am still, I will know that he is God because he will give me that peace that he promised. He will give me that peace. This Thanksgiving was, for many of you, a wonderful Thanksgiving with family and friends. But for others of you, it was a time of sorrow and sadness when the Lord brought you through deep waters. And so this time of year when it's, you know, we were supposed to say to each other, Happy Thanksgiving. That word happy just doesn't fit so many times. We've just experienced some bad news. Something tragic has happened to us. Or we're in the midst of it. And we struggle through Thanksgiving Day. Maybe alone. Maybe there's no one there. Being thankful. The psalmist is saying... In the midst of it all, be still and know that he is God. And notice that river makes glad back there in verse, verse 4. This river whose stream makes glad the city. That word glad means rejoice. Is the word rejoice. It means joy. I can have a peace and a joy, a deep abiding joy... Not a yay, happy kind of thing, but it's a deep joy that is sustaining me when my, the tears are falling down my face. I want to bring something up here that I asked Dustin Forey to, if he had it along. And he went, actually went home and got this for me. And um, Friday we, we had the service in here. For little river peace for you. On a table right here in front. 
uh, was where he lay. Um, the, as the Foreys went to Lum's funeral home, uh, Steve Lum said, I'm sorry, we don't have a casket small enough for your baby. So Dustin thought about it and says, well, then I'll make one. And so Dustin made, handmade a, a, a little casket, looked like a, a, almost a jewelry box type size. And he built that by hand for their child to lay it in. And then as we came and we spoke about the promise that, that the Lord takes the unborn ones home to be with himself or those that are born prematurely or those who have children, babies who die young, we believe they go to heaven. And one of the, reason, one of the verses is we use this, and I used that at the service, was when David's baby from Bathsheba was born and got sick. And it was at that point that David prayed, Lord, please spare him. Maybe the Lord will be gracious. But when the baby died, David got up, went to the table to eat, and the servants said, how are you at peace now? You weren't before, but now you are, after the baby's dead. And remember what David said? He shall not come back to me, but I shall go to him. And that is where David experienced a peace because he knew that baby, God had taken that baby home to be with himself. And, and so on this table here was little river peace. And the name, what a, what a beautiful name for a child. But their oldest son, Carter, nine years old, he, he had drawn a poster, and he had this poster laying on the table next to his sibling, who was in heaven there. But he put this down, and first I want to show it to you. Here's a baby, has wings, and in heaven. He drew this himself. But then it's what he wrote here. They were so excited about the new baby. But then the reality set in. There was suddenly a loss. A loss and the storms and their earth shook and quaked. But this is what he wrote on this poster. It's God's will, he starts with. It's God's will, Carter wrote. It's okay to be sad, but River went to heaven with Jesus. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, you will go to heaven and get to see River once again. And then at the bottom, he put a smiley face with a thumbs up. My friends, here is faith. Here's faith at the darkest moment. 
in a child's life, nine years old. But he demonstrated faith in his Lord. What nine-year-old child says, it is God's will. And if I could come to that place where I understand that my suffering and my pain is allowed according to God's perfect sovereign will, and he loves me, and he would do nothing to harm me, but he wants me to find refuge in him. And Carter was finding refuge in the Lord his God. And he took comfort and he had peace because he believed that river was in heaven with Jesus. And then he gave the gospel. And he said, you, you too, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you can go there and see him someday. How beautiful. My friend, take this with you this week. And be comforted by the God who is your strength and refuge and a present help in the time of your trouble. And he's going to see you through. He will see you through and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed now, Before the Lord, our eyes are closed. Dear Christian, did you come in here this morning with a heart full of fear, heart full of anxiety, just because of what's going on in your life? And the the pain is real, the suffering is real. But the God who loved you and gave himself for you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, wants you to run under his wings this morning and take refuge. Would you do that now? Just, Christian, just run to him in your heart. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm coming to you. My refuge. I'm running under your wings. I, you are my fortress. And so, Father, I am going to trust you. Believe that you are the God that can do all things. And you have a plan and purpose in this in my life. It is your will. And I accept it. And I will lean upon you. And you will strengthen me. Thank you, Father. As I give this problem and myself to you. Would you do that, Christian? And you will know the peace of God this day. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Carter invited you through this poster. I invite you to accept Jesus. He's the only way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you're not saved today, you have no assurance you're going to heaven. You can't go to heaven without trusting in Jesus as your Savior, who died on the cross and took your punishment for your sins there. All you have to do is, by faith, believe that he did and accept his forgiveness and accept him as your Lord and Savior. He will come into your heart and save you. If you've never done so, would you do it now? I'm going to pray this simple prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of faith. Saying the prayer doesn't save you, but it's what you believe in your heart. 
Pray with me now if you're ready to accept Christ. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. With head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. You have been born again spiritually. You have been forgiven all your sins and you've been given the free gift of eternal life. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts this day and for any decisions that have been made. Father, may we not walk in fear, but may we walk in faith, abiding under thy wings the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Fathers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.